Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. A uh, man in a bazaar was selling watermelons and he was screaming, the sweetest there is, the sweetest there is. A dervish walked into the bazaar and he heard the sweetest there is and he fainted because he was concentrating on Allah and the sweetest there is is Allah so the dervish didn't need the watermelon all the dervish needed was to be reminded of Allah Now, as we go through our life, what do we need? Uh, How much do we need? What satisfies us? A man went to a sheikh and said, I need to find peace. Uh, Can you help me find peace? And... He said, go to such and such a town in such and such a place and you'll find a man there and he'll tell you how to find peace. So he went and uh, it took him a couple of days to get there. But when he got there, he saw a man who was wearing torn clothes, had mud on his feet, mud in his beard, and uh, he looked at him. And he said, I was told that I could understand happiness from you. And the man said, do you have a question? And he said, are you happy? He said, I'm very happy. He said, why are you happy? He said, because I have my Allah. He said, are you satisfied? He said, I'm very satisfied. He said, why are you satisfied? He said, because I have my Allah. He said, what do you need? He said, I don't need anything. I'm a king. Why are you a king? Because I have my Allah. Now, the problem that we have is somehow we are separated from our Allah. And because of this separation... We're not happy, we're not satisfied, we think we're poor, we're not rich, we don't think we're kings, because we're separated from Allah. So, why are we separated from Allah? Because in our priorities, we have set values for things in this world greater than Allah. Money is greater than Allah. Fame is greater than Allah. Power is greater than Allah. And it's not that we believe these things. We don't believe money is greater than Allah. We don't believe fame is greater than Allah. We don't believe power is greater than Allah. But, 
We pay more attention to money than we pay to Allah. We pay more attention to fame than we pay to Allah. We pay more attention to power than we pay to Allah. And what's greater for us? The things we pay the most attention to. So if your concentration is on money, if your consciousness is on fame, if your consciousness is on power, then your consciousness is not on Allah. And you've been separated from Allah. And who separated you? You separated yourself. People in the world talk about unity all the time. And they say there needs to be unity in the nation. There used to be unity in the race. There needs to be unity in the religion. There needs to be unity in the language, in the country, in the continent. We have to be very careful about what it is that we try to have unity with. Because we can have unity with things that can't be unified. It's like I was missing a pair of pants uh, last week, and I was looking for them in my closet, and I looked through every pair of pants, and I couldn't find them. Finally, we figured out Asiya was looking in her closet, my wife, and they were in her closet. Now, I could have looked in my closet until next year, and I wouldn't have found my pants, because my pants were in Asiya's closet. So, if you're looking for unity in your country, you're not going to find it. If you're looking for unity in your religion, you're not going to find it. If you're looking for unity in your race, you're not going to find it. These things can't be unified. There's a very famous Nasruddin story. Nasruddin lived in a small town where they didn't have any lights, except at the mosque there was a generator. And the generator kept the bulb going all night in front of the mosque. And Nasruddin is on his hands and knees in front of the mosque like he's looking for something. And a friend who was coming home late saw Nasruddin and got down on his hands and knees with him and said, I'll help you look. What did you lose? He said, I lost my key. He said, okay, I'll help you. He said, it's not going to help if you help me. He said, why not? Because I didn't lose it here. I lost it in the woods. He said, why are you looking here? He said, this is the only place with a light. And this is where we are in the world. We keep looking in places where we can't find things and we expect to find them. It was an old uh, song in America, looking for love in all the wrong places. And there's only certain places you can find love. But there's also only certain places where you can find peace. There's only certain places when you can find contentment and happiness. And if you look in the wrong places, you can't find them. Because 
We're looking in places that don't give us peace, but separate us from peace. So if you're looking for peace in money, you can't find peace in money. Why? Because money separates you from peace. If you're looking for peace in fame, you can't find peace. Why? Because fame separates you from peace. Titles separate you from peace. Ego separates you from peace. Lust separates you from peace. Women separate you from peace. Men separate you from peace. What doesn't separate you from peace? Only one thing. Salam is the only place where you can find peace. And Salam is Allah. It means peace, but it also means Allah. So if you really want peace, if you really want unity, you have to find unity where unity exists. And the only place where unity exists is in Allah. Every other unity is false. And as long as we continue to believe in these false things, as long as they are more important to us than Allah, we will not find peace. We may become very rich, but we will not find peace. We may become very famous, but we will not find peace. We may have lots of powers. We may become president of the United States. Do you think the president of the United States has peace? Do you think the president of China has peace? You have to look in the places where peace can be found. And that's why when the man said, I want to find peace and somebody can tell me about it, he was sent to a man who had nothing. And why did he have nothing? Because he didn't want anything. For us to be able to go to the place that's peaceful for us, we have to somehow put a lid on our desires. We have to somehow not let our desires run away with us. We have to become satisfied. Now, there are many, many uh, dissatisfactions in the world. Sometimes we're not satisfied with other people. Sometimes we're not satisfied with our jobs. Sometimes we're not satisfied with the country we live in. People find so many reasons not to be satisfied. Truthfully, when we talk about politics, how much do the politics actually affect our life? And can we remove ourselves from that so that it doesn't affect our life? But we think everything affects our life, and somehow we have to be able to narrow down the things we're involved with so that very few things affect our life. If we react 
to everything that happens around us, we become like robots. A does this, B does this. A does this, B does this. We react. And we usually react with aggression. Um, Darwin had something called survival of the fittest. And his theory was that the stronger an animal was, the more it could control the situation, and it would wipe out everybody in its way and get what it wanted. So I took an education course once in the university. And the, the, the topic every person was given was to take some theory of life and try to explain it. So a young lady who I knew wrote on the board the survival of the fittest, which was Darwin's theory. And then she called me up to sit at a little table she had set up. And then she called up another uh, boy in the class to also sit at the table. I was about six foot tall and he was about five foot four. And she told us to arm wrestle. So we arm wrestled. And I won. Not a big trick. And when I won, she gave me an apple. And I took a bite of the apple and I gave the apple to the boy who was five foot four. We are told so many things about how life is, but we don't have to accept it. We don't have to accept that we need to be greedy. We don't have to accept that we need to take everything so that we can be happier. We don't have to accept these things. Um, there's a story of a man who was very rich. And he lived high on a hill in a big house. And he could see everybody below him. And he was particularly watching this one man who was a woodcutter. And every day, the woodcutter would make two rupees. And every day, at the end of the day, he would take his two rupees, go to the fruit stand, buy six pieces of fruit, and share it with his friends. And this went on every day. And the man sitting up on the roof was very tight with money. And he went down to the fruit cellar and said, how much uh, is the fruit? And he said, six pieces for two rupees. He said, I'll give you one rupee. He said, I can't sell it to you for one rupee. It costs me more than that. It's two rupees. And they argued and argued and argued, and he left because he wasn't going to pay the two rupees. So one day he's sitting uh, in the front of his house, and an old man walks by, and the man is wearing uh, the clothes of a dervish. And he asks him, if he could ask him a question. He said, why can't I be happy? This man below every day makes two rupees and spends all of it and shares it with his friends and he's happy. Meanwhile, I have thousands, hundreds of thousands of rupees and I can't be happy. What's the problem? And the dervish said, 
let me show you something. He said, you have to do what I tell you, and it's going to cost you some money. Will you do it? He said, yes. He said, take a bag and put 99 rupees in the bag. And then when the woodcutter is working, take the bag and throw it into his house. And then we'll watch. So that evening... Or that more, uh, when the, when the, when the woodcutter leaves, the man did what the dervish told him. He threw the bag into the woodcutter's house. And then the dervish and he sat together and watched, uh, as the woodcutter came home. And they saw him find the bag. And then he started to count. One, two, three, fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty, ninety-two, ninety-three, ninety-four, ninety-five, 96, 97, 98, 99. Allah, you gave me 99 rupees. Why didn't you give me a hundred? <laughs> and that time he took his two rupees and he put them in the bag and he said, soon I will have 200 rupees. And it started. And then the man on the hill began to understand. And the dervish said, are you ready to come with me? And he said, I think I'm ready to come with you. And his life changed because he could leave behind what he had because he understood what having it does with him. And the two began to walk. Dervishes walk, they don't ride. In our own life, we have to learn how to leave behind what we have. But, you know, we all have families, and we all have obligations, and we all have things that we have to do. So, we have to learn to take care of all of these things and still not be attached. We have to learn that when Allah gives us Three rupees, alhamdulillah. Or if he gives us three million rupees, alhamdulillah. And we also have to learn to give. We have to give first to our families, and then we have to give to people who need. So as we get, we have to learn to give. My teacher was given lots of things by lots of people. But as soon as he got them, he gave them away. He didn't hold on to things. Now, there's many different ways that we can hold on to things. We can hold on to things with our hands, and we can hold on to things with our minds. And it's it's more critical that we let go by our mind than letting go of our hands. We can't hold very much with our hands, but our mind can try to hold the entire world. So if we learn how to let go of things with our minds, that's when we can begin to become peaceful. That's when we begin to become happy. Now, but there's a whole list of adeb courtesy etiquette that we have to learn 
in how to act among people. Because not only do we hold on to physical things, we hold on to qualities like resentment, like jealousy, like anger, like hastiness. Uh, and we have to learn how to let go of those things also. In the great unity of existence, the unity is between us and Allah. Now, Allah's unity is always there. It never stops. We are either in Allah's unity or outside of Allah's unity. And how do we go outside of Allah's unity? Through our own choices. For us to be in unity with Allah, we can't be separated from other people. We can't have anger. We can't have jealousy. We can't have gossip. The prophet was asked, what is gossip? And he said, it's talking about other people. And then the man who asked him said, but what if it's true? He said, it's still gossip. But if it's a lie, it's gossip and slander. So, why is gossip, talking about other people, such a forbidden situation? Because if you understand unity, if you're talking about other people, you're separating the unity when you talk about somebody else. From one, it becomes two. And why do people talk about other people? Usually, to make themselves bigger. So again, we're separating ourselves from Allah. And we have to be very careful in the things that we do, and in the things that we say, and in the things that we want. We can be happy. We can be satisfied. We can be kings. As long as we understand that a king only needs Allah's kingdom. That a king only needs Allah's wealth. That a king only needs Allah's permission. Allah's grace. Allah's love. But everybody wants what the world has. And what the world has cannot give you that kind of satisfaction. Peace is not available in the world. A man came to the prophet and said, Satan is constantly chasing me. He won't leave me alone. And the prophet said, come back in three days. And he called Satan to come to him. And uh, Satan came and said, uh, this man came to me to complain about you. He said, you're constantly chasing him. You're constantly bothering him. He said, I'm not bothering him. He's bothering me. He wants everything that's mine. He's constantly chasing money. He's constantly chasing real estate. He's constantly chasing women. He has all of these qualities that need what's in the world. What's in the world is mine. And he said, well, I'll talk to him. And the man came back, and he said, uh, 
I talked to Satan, and Satan was complaining about you, because you want what belongs to him. So, if you want to not be bothered by Satan, don't want what belongs to Satan. Learn to want what belongs to Allah. And this is a very important change in the way we view existence. Because in the world of Satan, these are all the things that we see, hear, touch, and feel. In the world of Allah, we can't see these things. Can you see mercy? Can you see compassion? These are things that are formless. So we need to go from a world where everything is form to a world where everything is formless. We need to go from illusion, this world of form, to hak, which is without form. Hak is in a place where our belief is what makes it real for us. Our faith, certitude, and determination are what make it real for us. So we have to go from a world where we see to a world where we believe in things that we don't see. And that's where we'll find unity. That's where we'll find peace. But if we continue to look in the world of form, we will not find these things. Religion took Allah's words and made it into a form. And now people forgot about Allah's words, but they remember the religion. The words of Allah are not important anymore. The religion is what's become important. Can we give up our religion and just believe in Allah? Can we believe that there's a place beyond religion? This is why religions don't like Sufis, because they say things like this. Because they separate themselves, not from one or two things, they separate themselves from everything. They leave everything behind. And the world, and the ones who believe in the world, can't accept people who leave everything behind. They are carrying the world on their backs, and they're walking like this, and then they see people who are walking straight who don't care, and they can't understand it. And not only can't they understand it, they don't like these people. Because these people show things in a way that is opposite of what they hold sacred. If you think your religion is the most important thing in the world, and somebody comes and says to you, your heart and connection to Allah is the most important thing in the world, what do you think? If you think money is the most important thing in the world, and somebody says to you, as long as you chase money, you can't be happy. I've been chasing money for 48 years. What do you mean I can't be happy? What have I been doing with my life? You see... We all have to go through a period of regret where we understand that what we've been doing 
has been wrong. And this is difficult for people. It's very difficult to say, my God, my whole life has been wasted. Now, hopefully, this happens when you're about 20 or 21 or 22. Imagine what happens if you're 75 and your whole life has been wasted. I tell this story a lot, but some people haven't heard it. When I was a young lawyer, there was an older lawyer in my office who was about 75, 76 years old. And I asked him a question. And uh, he said, come with me. And we walked into the library, and there's 3,000 books there. And he pulled out one of the books, and he turned to a page, and he said, here is the answer. And I said, whew, that's pretty good. And he said, uh, Musa, this library is my whole life. This is all I know. When I'm with my wife, I'm in this library. When I'm with my children, I'm in this library. When I go to pray, I'm still in this library. Don't be like me. Can you imagine? 78 years old. Don't be like me. But at least he figured it out. Even though he was 78, he finally saw it. He saw that whatever you pay the most attention to is what you become. Whatever you pay the most attention to is what you become. It's not that you don't believe in God. It's just that you believe in money more. (laughs) It's not that you don't believe in God. It's just that you believe in being famous more. It takes more of your time. We spend time with the things that we love. How much time do we spend with Allah? Is he the thing that we love? Or are other things the things that we love? We have to be able to look at our life and understand what we do, why we do it, and how we do it. And that's why if we are truly going on a path towards understanding, there has to be constant self-reflection. There has to be a constant looking at, what did I do today? Did I think about Allah or did I watch football games? Yesterday I watched football games. That's what happened. But what am I going to do today? The one thing about Allah is He loves you, and he forgives you, and he lets you start over with every breath. So, forget about what happened in the past. This is now. This is the only moment that exists. And this is where we're going to start having a relationship with Allah. Why? Because he lets us. Why? Because he wants us to. Why? Because he's open to us. Why? Because he created us, and we're his children, and he loves us. And the one thing that's going to change you is love. If you know somebody loves you if you don't have money, and you don't have fame, and you don't have power, then you begin to understand that that's a different kind of love.
My wife loved me before I had anything. And she reminds me of that every once in a while. (laughs) To explain to me (laughs) that none of these things are important. And they aren't important. What's important is the love. And we need to be able to tell other people that we love them not because they have money or they're famous or what they can do for us. We love them because Allah created them and we love Allah. And Allah loves them. And since Allah loves them, we love them. So we have to begin to express love more in this world. We have to become lovers. Sufis are lovers. And if you don't love, you're not a Sufi. You're a make-believe Sufi. And I know many make-believe Sufis. But we shouldn't be make-believe Sufis. We should be real Sufis. We should forgive, forget, and love. And in love, we will find our peace. In love, we will find our satisfaction. In love, we will find Salam. We will find Allah. Allah exists in love. Allah created us out of love. Allah is love. So we have to become love. Someone said to me once, I don't know, people don't seem to love me. And I said, that's because you're not lovable. We have to become lovable. We have to become lovers, and then others will love us also. But we don't have to worry about what others do. We have to be brave enough to love in all circumstances. You know, people are afraid to become close to other people because they'll reject them or they'll be harsh with them. But we have to be brave enough that we know we have Allah's love and that's sufficient. And if other people don't love, it's because they don't understand. They don't know the truth. And when they know the truth, they will be ashamed of the way that they acted. But we, during this time, have to love. If we can accomplish this, then we won't have to ask anybody, how do I find peace? Then we won't have to ask anybody, how can I find contentment? Love will give us that contentment. Love is the place where it exists. All of Allah's qualities are in love. And the treasures that we can obtain from Allah are greater than any treasures in this world. And we have to stop feeling like we don't have enough, like we haven't gotten enough, like the world hasn't given us enough. This way of dissatisfaction separates us from reality. Allah is complete. 
And if we are incomplete, we separate ourselves from Allah. So we have to think of ourselves as complete. We have to think of ourselves as His creation made out of His love that will return to Him. And that we exist within Him. And if we understand this, then everything in our life will become smooth. May it be so for each of us. May our lives become easy. May our lives be fulfilled. May our lives be smooth. May our lives be happy in satisfaction with Allah's love. And when somebody screams out, the sweetest there is, the first thing we think of is, Allah! May it be so for each of us. Amin, amin. Ya Rabbil Alameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.